0: And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Dollars and Making Sense. Always a pleasure to have your company. And today, I welcome back to the microphone, Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money. And Philippa, this time you're on your own. We don't have Dina with us this time. We've really enjoyed having her along. But I'm changing sway a little bit because I've been collecting a number of articles that – Uh, Since the beginning of the year that continually increase my concern, it continually raises my hackles and gets me to the point of incandescent, let me tell you, and it's my bugbear and it's called BNPL. What is BNPL? It is buy now, pay later. And funnily enough, when I asked you about uh, whether we do this topic,
1: it equally makes you just as uh, angry, doesn't it? Oh, should be banned. Along with all of that online betting and gambling that they do. Well, we'll tackle that
0: particular one for another time because that another one makes me incandescent. I get called a wowser for for being so. But let's talk about BNPL today. And before we get headlong into some of the psychological aspects of, uh, of, uh, of the buy now, pay later scenario or not, One of the things that this has attracted a lot of media attention over the past sort of three to five years is it's been successful. It's been huge for the founders of these organisations. They've made billions of money and they've recently sold out. However, uh, one of the things that I do in my uh, Dollars Making Sense show is have a market wrap, and this was referred to as one of the wax companies, Afterpay, is one of the A's in wax and when you look at Afterpay and one of its competitors, ZipPay, uh, not surprisingly, given how much competition's out there now, they've been whacked, and I mean well and truly whacked in the uh, the, the share price. Now, Philippa, is this something you normally follow, or is it sort of an afterthought in, in your day-to-day life?
1: I think what brought it to consciousness was a number of TV ads. Get yourself out of a jam go and get money in an instant, up to $10,000. Mm. And they don't stop to talk about the credit, what are they called? the interest rates on this stuff or the terms and conditions. And the thing that bothers me with it is the instant gratification level. And it just encourages impulse spending. And the consequences of that, of course, down the track, you have to pay the debt back plus interest. So it's no, an instant no credit card. No doubt. And that's what mm. bothers me is the fact that, If you're doing proper financial planning, it's about setting financial goals. But but the questions that I want to try and raise
0: in today's show, Philippa, is how did we get here? Because one of the astounding things that all these articles, and I may actually clip the uh, the links uh, on our blog, but the articles that I refer to now come back to uh, normal end-of-year kind of things where we talk about you know, New Year's resolutions, and I'll get to that one in just a moment. But I've got a couple of links now that come back to CHOICE, CHOICE's own survey around BNPL, and a joint submission in a consultation process on BNPL regulation run by the uk treasury and australia's consumer action law center and they went into this quite a fair bit of detail and the thing that australian consumers probably don't realize is this is unregulated Mm. the government I don't think they've been asleep at the wheel. I think they've consciously allowed this to happen simply because uh, I I see, uh, again, malfeasance here because they've allowed this industry to flourish without so much as a whimper from the regulator. And I'm sitting there shrugging
1: my shoulders going, how can this be? I think a lot of the problem with the regulators, they can't keep up with the pace of technology. These services suddenly spring up out of somebody saw a gap in the market. They've exploited the pandemic because it's really gone nuts once things started to get locked down in 2020 and people were spending to make themselves feel better. And as you know, with impulse buying, impulse spending, there's a hit of dopamine and people get the pleasure out of waiting for a box or a parcel to turn up. (laughs) And I agree. I
0: I, I like that. I, I mean, I love going online shopping and when, you know, I get a little notification saying, hey, your parcel's about to be delivered, it's like rubbing hands. Beauty, it does. It's fabulous. That's the point. But, dot, dot, dot.
1: Yeah, that's the point I'm coming to. When you had people in lockdown who were desperate for some kind of stimulation, mental, emotional, you know, they couldn't get out, they couldn't exercise, and the whole world went into lockdown, all of these online sites suddenly took off and Zoom, which people only ever used every now and then, became the main way of communication. And so, which,
0: again, which, again, surprised me because, you know, other competing products like Skype, which is what we're actually using right now, and WebEx and a whole range of others teams. that have been around since Adam was in short pants, yeah. they got they, they got left behind all of a sudden. I don't know whether it was the sexy name, Zoom. I let Zoom here and it became part of the lexicon, didn't it? It
1: did. And so along with words like ISO. Yeah. Isolation. So <laughs> yeah. you well, think back two years it seems like yesterday and it was oh, the thing Doesn't is that ever. everything irrevocably changed people Did were it locked it up at home they Did were incarcerated it 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 in their domestic environment it people suddenly had to homeschool their kids they couldn't go to work and they hated it oh, I bet. as humans I bet. adapted and once the worst of the lockdown people said oh we're out of this one now and then found themselves back in and they seesawed backwards and forwards but by then people had adapted And they saw the benefits of working from home and shopping online and having groceries delivered because they couldn't get out to do it. And then they realised, hey, this is a hell of a time saver. It saves me going shopping. It saves me because I had to do it. Now, the thing is the behaviour has become normalised.
0: It has, but it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. Yes, I understand that. And I might just quickly circle back around the the first point that we were talking about for the investors in these companies. Now, for those of you that were invested in Afterpay, uh, Afterpay got bought by a company called Square, which then renamed itself to Block. So if you were part of that uh, upswing, you went back and rubbed your hands and went, beauty, 89, 90%. But if you have bought at the top, you are now whimpering at a 52% loss in afterpay. And for those of you that invested in ZipPay, the damage is even more so because uh, roughly one year ago, ZipPay was trading at $9.73 and I can't even, it's criminal to think that ZipPay's price after being at $9.73 a year ago is at $1.49. So it is, it is, down 85%. And so the investors have taken an absolute caning because not only do you have Afterpay and ZipPay in their playing game, uh, people like Gumtree, people like eBay, people like Visa and Mastercard also stepped into the fray and said, you know what, we'll offer you Two week, you know, fortnightly payment structures at interest free as well, and all of a sudden, uh, this really cool way of doing things started becoming very mainstream, as you've mm. rightly said. Mm. Now, Philippa, let me circle back to uh, one of the things I always like to do uh, around this time of year is look at New Year's resolutions, and I dug back deep into, and we're only talking sort of three months ago now. Can, it you, seems like can, can you? Can no. you believe it? Can you believe it? We're in the second quarter already. Wow. And so – Here are the helpful hints to getting your budget back under control for the new year. And I'll quickly run through these. Give yourself and your money a fresh start. Always love that. Mm. Always compare products. We've talked about that. Set money goals. We've always talked about that. Break down goals into milestones. Yes, yes. Stop thinking about your savings as your money. Now, you've really railed about that one, I know. Mm -hmm. Don't forget to treat yourself. I think we've done that a few too many times somehow. Mm -hmm. Set up your budget game. Here we are. Number eight, stop accumulating unnecessary debt. Now, let me read this. Unless you can pay your debt in full every month, leave your credit card at home and stay away from BNPL services. Now, according to. Except in
1: emergencies.
0: Exactly. And they mention in emergencies. Now, according to NAB Economics, Report released in June of last year, almost one in five Australians, one, let me read that, one in five Australians Mm. have BNPL debt, and nearly four in 10 of those with a BNPL debt have missed a payment. In the old days, cash, you were limited by the amount of dollars in your pocket, and that was the money you actually owned. Mm. That's not the case anymore, is it?
1: Using other people's money. OPM, yes, yes, other people's money. Is, Ray, that this is funding a lifestyle and you're paying your future now. Oh, it's you're constantly living in your future and then you've got to come back and pay it off. And when or later, I remember I remember my mother saying back in nineteen when I was I remember the only reason I was in passing because I was probably oh God, quite young at the time when they first were all we we we, we still
0: current. are. We still are young, Philippa. We still are young. Yeah, I'm
1: just saying in terms of history, <laughs> really, I think it was the Commonwealth Bank, what did they call it? Bank card, whatever it was called. It was bank card. Absolutely. Bank card. And people didn't realise that they could get their hands on this money, but they had to pay it back.
0: Yes, yes. And so a
1: lot of people stuck with debt they'd never heard of because up to that point you had to save up for things. The only thing you ever borrowed in your lifetime was money to buy a car or a house. That was it. And so... My, I remember my mother saying people are going to land up in all sorts of problems. What, what did she used to call it? HP, higher purchase or whatever yeah, it was oh, her no, day?
0: Yeah, I, I remember HP as well. but So many of a, my soldiers had
1: it. It was awful. Yeah, and it was invention of the devil as far as she was concerned. <laughs> yeah, and she said the problem is that people won't be able to manage because they're impulse buying or spending because it increases their self-worth and self-esteem to have all this stuff. And you have to turn around and find the money to pay it off, which puts them even more financial stress. And the problem I found with the whole financial stress is that people's mental and emotional health is contingent on their financial stability. Yes. And so when you've got constant debt, how am I going to pay this? How am I going to find the money to pay that? When you look at the stuff that you bought, um, then unless you're using it every day and it was a necessity or something happened as a medical emergency, the the distress comes when they're trying to manage now what they bought before with money that hadn't come in the future. And so the psychological stress of all of this is how they're going to make ends meet and pay off this debt. It's like credit cards used to be when they had five and six credit cards where they can consolidate it into one and drag down the equity on their home and pay off all their debt and have it as home loan rates, which was another option. But now we've got this BNPL, as you say, it's not regulated. So let's hold that thought for the moment. It's time for a station
0: announcement. You're here on Dollars and Making Sense. I'm Ray treverson from OTG Capital, and you're here with Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money. We'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Dollars and Making Sense. You're here with Ray Trevison at OTG Capital, and I'm with Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money. And we are talking buy now, pay later, things like afterpay, things like zip pay, and unfortunately leads us down this awful path of spending money we don't have. Now, Philippa, one of the things I remember clearly When I used to be an army officer and one of the things I ended up doing more often than not was bailing some of my soldiers out of some of the financial pickles that they managed to get themselves into in borrowing very, very expensive money. And we were talking before we went to the break about Bank Card. Now, I remember Bank Card when it came in. All this money started sloshing around in the system, except people didn't understand at that time. They had to pay 18% for Mm. the money. Now, One of the things that I saw happening at that time was people being issued more and more credit cards and they were using them to pay off their other credit cards. Yep, still still does. And I cannot get over how much damage this does to a bottom line it's Mm. it's just like wow so i mean rolling over of credit cards is what it's called so rolling these over into Mm. another form of credit really is the 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 the, the thin edge of the wedge isn't it
1: yes and now that the the problem is that these kids have had to take out credit cards to pay off their afterpay um loans and they're, cards, they're now in a vicious debt cycle that they'll credit, just never get out
0: of, and they're and, so young. And credit cards today, let's make no mistake, they're not cheap. That's 24% money. Yeah. It's insane.
1: But that, but the thing is that the banks rely on people only making the minimum payment because their real money is not made on mortgages. Their money is made on credit cards.
0: It's astounding, isn't
1: it? This is their banking model. It's people being too weak. To resist, and when you're in a pandemic, let's let's go back and revisit the fact the level of depression that was going on, which is why we have most of the world and countries in depression, which were never spoken about in years before, was the fact that when people are locked up and locked down, they can't get out and they start to suffer, and so they start buying stuff to make themselves feel better. Now that might work for a short term hit and high with your dopamine, but the thing is. They did all this shopping, spending, and the other thing that came into its own, which I think is an absolute nightmare, is this um, online gambling. And now we're setting up, I've seen, I can't watch sport on television oh. because it makes me sick to think that they're normalising all these group betting.
0: Oh, this bet with the, mates thing. Yes, I want to scream. That
1: was, yeah, but but you see, Ray, it came about because people couldn't go to the races and be with each other. So they set up these things on everybody's phones and you could get people all around the country into this betting group that didn't even live together or anywhere near each other as mates. And the, the betting companies know that men will outdo each other through testosterone and I can outbet you and I can win more and it's compete, compete, compete with their mates. And then finally they've brought out an ad on television saying, before you go and bet more than you can afford, check and stop and think. And now they're talking about gambling responsibly. It's like the oh, hotel's telling it, you to
0: drink just, responsibly. It, it just makes me want to vomit. You know, I bet, know. bet, and bet, bet, we, bet with your mates. Do this. Yes. That. Oh, and by the way, gamble responsibly. Yes, the same with the hotel lobby. I vomit. And I've got to say, um, my, my son works at a, our local RSL, and he recently went off to do his uh, responsible gambling accreditation. So yes, he, I've done that. he came back after a day of, of study and, And in the car on the way back, it was so pleasing to listen to a young man at 25 or 24 or 25-odd years old look at me and say, Dad, this is a real problem. Mm. He said, do you know we have more poker machines per head in this country than anywhere Mm. in the world? Correct. He said, how do we allow this to occur? And I I would love to get every single politician in Mm. front of me and look at them and say, how do you guys look at yourself in the mirror and feel that you are serving your constituencies when you allow this to happen. And please don't tell me about freedom of speech. Don't tell me about any of that stuff, because there is an overriding obligation to be a little bit more morally responsible. I mean, for God's sake, can we get a little bit of reality? I am not a wowser. I am not saying to people, don't gamble. But can we be a little bit less more than, you know, the biggest gambling country in the world? I mean, come on. Mm. If that's what our our claim to fame is going to be, I mean, really.
1: Well, a lot of you remember the state budgets... Hospitals are funded by the gambling. Uh, Now, don't get me started. Here's the thing. Years years and years ago, Woolworths, for their portfolio, they bought the Canley Vale Hotel. It's one of the poorest parts of Sydney and it's got the largest number of poker machines. And I I thought, remind me to tell clients not to invest in Woolworths if they want to have some kind of social responsibility. And Woolworths just said it was a business decision.
0: Yeah. Shareholders.
1: So every time a company says, oh, it's all about maximising profits for the shareholders, and how many executives own share options in their own company as part of their employer package?
0: Now, let let me get some clarity here. And by the way, look, I've got a mate that has a part share in a very profitable hotel on Sydney's northern beaches, and he just shrugs his shoulders and goes, Ray, the numbers – are incredibly compelling, and and I won't dispute that. But let's get some clarity and context around how much money the gambling industry actually gives in charity and whether it does sustain charitable organisations or not. Now, according to my Google searching and the like, okay, there are articles, for example, just recently, gambling firms donating insulting amounts of uh, charity for addiction uh, control the contributions that are made are just 1.5% of net gambling revenue. Net gambling revenue. So whatever their profits are, they're giving 1.5% of their profits, not of the turnover. And so I'm sitting there looking yep. at these guys, going, you know what? Your protestations about, hey, all these gamblings, you know, all these charities would suffer if we stopped taking in this money. I just cry. I just sit there and call bull dust. It's called it's hypocrisy. Bulldust.
1: Yeah, hypocrites. Absolutely. Money talks. And the thing is, you've got to remember that the hotel and gambling lobbies are very powerful and they well, make huge they political do, do, donations to political parties. Well, and I- when that Sydney lockdown happened with, let me, hang on, Sydney, um, what did they do, the lockout laws some years ago when the kids were being killed by the single punches?
0: Oh, that, that's a few years back now. Yeah, yeah, and-
1: but I think they stopped alcohol being served after 1 o'clock in the morning.
0: Yeah, they locked and out s- Kings Cross. They
1: locked out Kings Cross, and finally the residents could feel safe. And they yeah, kept but- it going for a number of years. Um, but the hotel lobby was so powerful, particularly coming into an election, that they relented. But they actually no. had to do. They actually had to have that circuit breaker because people were being killed at four o'clock in the morning of sheer alcohol. Well, I've got to say, though, the hypocrisy of governments
0: that sit there and whine about and react to two young men being killed, tragedy as it is, they react to two young men being killed for coward punches, alcohol fueled, yet every week a woman is killed from their partner. That you sit there and wonder, why aren't we doing similarly? kind of uh you know drastic measures in that space as well i i just sit there and scratch my head we've got the priorities wrong uh, mm. in so many different places it just makes again it just makes my blood boil but look we, we're talking about bnpl we're talking about uh financial stress and we're talking about the kind of limits that people push themselves to now Philippa, you have studied through your your degrees and the mm. like, the impact of these on people's uh, mental health. Yeah. What, are the, what are the, you know, we, you'd like to think that we are just coming out of COVID, but um, right now it's kind of funny that, uh, not funny, funny, but uh, I mean, I've just uh, contracted COVID and got over it, yet there seems to be a real spike happening in, in mm. the society at the moment. But With any hope, fingers crossed, because of the high vax rates, we are going to come out of the pandemic this year. What do you think are the lessons learned from a mental health perspective of these debt binges that the the Australian society has gone through in the past two years?
1: Oh, God. Let's just look at it in context. We have a debt binge now where people lost their jobs. They got 20 grand out of their super. Don't start, Ray. (laughs) <laughs> 10 or 20 grand out of this suit, but the women took it out to have it in the bank just to keep it safe, so in case bills came in, and a lot of the men gambled a lot of it. The market put on 35% growth. Yeah. Lost it all, right? Yep. Now we have a debt situation with buy now, pay later, and online gambling, which those ads ought to be banned in the same bucket as alcohol and smoking were all those years ago, just off television altogether. That is not gambling responsibly when when Ladbrokes and the rest of them are allowed to. um, And and the other thing is what annoys me is we're talking about football matches and the betting that goes on in the matches. It's just Mm -hmm. disgusting as part of the commentary. Now we have a situation where no one can afford a house. The banks shoveled money into the economy at low interest rates. People were taking out million-dollar mortgages. We now have inflation going up, fuel prices going up, cost of living going up. People don't have real wage rise. They're having to do more with less and they've got debt as well. What do you think is going to happen to the mental health if it's not as bad as it is? Seriously? I don't well, think I have ever seen in my lifetime the level of distress with in a, in society where they're struggling to pay off mortgages. They're terrified of the interest rates going up. Which they the, will. The, the Well, the budget comes back with this um, sugar hit of petrol price excise only to bring it back in again in six months and tout it as though it's one of the best things that they've ever done. Well, in actual fact, the pain comes later when all this stuff comes back to bite them
0: when all of this is over. And they possibly may not even be in government any longer. they don't care. No, And they've never cared. That's
1: how we've ended up in our industry the way we have. So when you look at the distress of no real wage growth, higher increasing costs of inflation. We've got people um, who are struggling to get a job and people who need the workers. You've got this discourse in, in, in around the buy now, pay later stuff and the, and the gambling irresponsibly that's encouraged on television. People will reach for any kind of hit or high that's going to give them relief for a minute. Now we've got a situation with the mental health is it pe- the, the the problem? Is with when you're insecure financially, is your distress because you're trying to work out how you're going to feed the kids, put food on the table, pay the bills and the rent. The rents are going up, and now the mortgages may be too. If you've got your house paid off, if you're in that upper echelon of wealth, you're just getting wealthier because your house prices have gone nuts. Yes, so but- the people on the lowest income, where instead of putting all that money into infrastructure and raising the rate of JobKeeper or whatever it is, the people, we used to call it the dole in days gone by. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't live on 70 bucks a day. And the thing is that the more money they it's give these 40, people to live,
0: It's 40 bucks a day at the moment actually, not If 70. they
1: lift these people out of poverty, then they can spend and businesses can employ people.
0: We've had that discussion before. Yes,
1: and so and I'm and saying is the mental health now is worse than it's ever been. And I don't see it getting any better. Not well, for, the, for the short term that we've got with people worrying about higher fuel costs. And then in the middle of all of that, we've got this war going on smack in the middle of, of um, Europe where where everybody's doing everything everything they can to assist. And now we've got this total transformation of society that I have never seen in my lifetime. Total transformation.
0: Okay, so let's hold that thought for a moment. It's time for a break here on Dollars and Making Sense. You're here with Ray Treveson at OTG Capital and Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money. We'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Dollars and Making Sense, an interesting discussion today. I'm with Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money. I'm Ray Treveson from OTG Capital. We are talking buy now, pay later, and we are talking about access to credit. And the one thing that I think really... I'm starting to get very tired of in in this current political climate is when I keep on getting told that we don't need regulation. Self-regulation is perfectly fine. It's okay. Let the industry look after its own, uh, own and we'll all be okay. Now I'm just I've had it with that because it's like saying to the vampires, look, you look after the blood bank, everything will be fine. It's never worked. And in this space where we're talking about BNPL companies not being required to comply with responsible lending laws, it is just beyond belief that this current government has allowed this to occur. And I'm not going to go into any diatribe around that at this point in time. I want to talk a little bit about choice. I want to talk a little bit about a whole range of different consumer organizations, not just here, but around the world that are now calling for governments to issue stricter rules to protect consumers. Now, Philippa, we're in the run up to uh, an election can you see on the horizon, given that everything else that's on the political you know, landscape at the moment, that this may actually get any kind of airing or if there is a change of government this year, that this may actually come to uh, actually come to fruition?
1: It's not on their radar. And unless it's brought up to be on their radar, and I'm just, and I've read the articles that you've got here where um the the regulation's failing, this technology of buying online hasn't been regulated with the same lending, responsible lending practices as done by the banks because it's not institutional. And so you can go after banks and companies, but this has been let slide because it doesn't fit the traditional lending rules. Right. So the technology's raced ahead and, again, the regulators are slow to catch up. Now that the organisations are seeing the problems on a society level, the Smith family, the Salvation Army and the rest of them, who are now paying, who are now trying to round up food banks
0: to feed families. ACOS as well has made Mm. a big song and dance about this for sure.
1: And so all the poor people are getting poorer because they don't check whether or not people can actually afford the loans. That's the whole point of responsible lending. I they think won't that, lend you the money unless you can afford it. Well, these, they just said, what's the ad on TV? Um, we do a fast credit, credit check and in a few minutes you'll be told that you can borrow it. Yeah. And so that is no kind of check. No, so it's, it's not. It's, it's not, not regulated. And the same way that banks issue credit cards, the buy now, pay later, as I say, advertising must be reformed to prevent children and adults in financial hardship from being targeted.
0: I think what also surprises me is that they've allowed BNPL to stretch its tentacles into things like food, into things like a a concert ticket, which is very transitory kind of purchases. Uh, You know, the kind of transactional things that I would say to people, look, you don't want to be delaying payment of this kind of stuff. It's not the kind of thing like you pointed out in, in our first session in today's show that if you've got nothing to show for it, all of a sudden, uh, very much like the government debt we've got right now, you know, we've had our debt tripled before the pandemic, but you look around and you say, well, what did we actually get for all that debt that we've got now? And many people, I think, from a mental health situation will find themselves thousands and thousands of dollars in debt and then scratching around, looking around their house and go, I can't see it.
1: Well, the other thing we've got is, of course, the JobKeeper was sent off to overseas companies that made an absolute fortune the pandemic and the government refuses to make them pay it back. Well, so again, I, I'm also hopeful. This is the hopeful. problem we've
0: got was, here. Yeah, but I'm also hopeful, you know, Philippa, we've got a, a current government that went uh, quite troppo and I- illegally went after Centrelink recipients uh, yes. and and rec- recouped money with robo-debt and we were talking thousands And then per, had to repay it. And then in a one and a half billion dollar settlement, which, again, the mainstream media very conveniently swept under the carpet not long after, uh, that happened to be the the then social services minister, Scott Morrison, and the prime minister at the time when that uh, ruling came down, Scott Morrison. And so we're talking about situations where hopefully, you know, if there is a potential change of government, there's nothing to stop them legislating and clawing back what we're talking about close to 38 to 40 $40 billion in overpayments to corporations that didn't need it. Now, I keep thinking about the fact that right now we've been promised firefighting aeroplanes at a cost of, wait for it, $25 million dollars. 25 million, and we still don't ha- have them in one of the most bushfire-prone countries in the world. It's been promised, and we've got four billion sitting in the bushfire fund that still hasn't been touched. I'm uh, sorry, I'm going right off the yeah, rails. Yeah, but you have here. to have
1: a term deposit Ray, just in case we need it for the future.
0: Yes, of course. Sorry, I digressed and I've <laughs> no, gone off the. Planet. No, 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 no. That, that was one the, of the things for that hanging want,
1: onto the money and not spending the things,
0: it. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk about is regulation. So, look. We we look at this particular uh, article and it talks about the, pot, the potential around regulation. And so, you know, one of the first recommendations we've got here is to regulate BNPL products in the same way as other forms of credit. Now, I look at that and shrug my shoulders and go, what's so controversial about that?
1: It's long overdue.
0: I've got to say, and this includes ensuring that measures such as caps on fees, charges, restrictions on unsolicited marketing, which is your point, and obligations to help people in financial hardship that apply under national laws are extended to BNPL. This is no different to any other form of credit that's out there. And so I scratch my head and look at the owners of ZipPay and Afterpay and all them and look at them and go, what is your problem in complying with these kind of regulations?
1: Well, here it says the federal government stopped short of moving BNPL companies into the responsible lending regime after a Senate inquiry failed to endorse such a move in 2019. Instead, the industry set up the Voluntary Code of Conduct, but here we're coming back to say... Uh, and and
0: Because Voluntary Codes of Conduct conduct have always worked so so incredibly (laughs) well. So what they're saying now,
1: Afterpay has 16 million people and ZipPay had 9.9 million global customers... The problem that they've got now is one in five are struggling to pay back debt that they for years that they've signed up for in minutes. And this is a problem as the fact that this lack of self-regulation is stamp, didn't stamp out the poor practices across the industry and yet we've had a Royal Commission to bash the banks for all their fee gouging years ago and yet there's nothing being done about this which I think is worthy of a Royal Commission as to why they haven't. When all oh, okay. you need is to bring in the, the, these companies underneath the legislation that governs the banks and the responsible lending practices and put their business model out of out of business in, in, in a year because people wouldn't be able to borrow the money in minutes. They'd actually have to go through credit checks.
0: I think the funny thing to me, though, Philippa, is, is that if the business model is sustainable, and I think it is, is that you don't give credit to people that can't pay it back. And guess what? Precisely. You know, they do that with home loans, ladies and gentlemen. If you can't afford your home loan, they won't give you the money. And I don't understand why consumer credit should be any different. And in that regard, you know, for example, the second recommendation there is to require merchants to provide an option that allows a consumer to pay for a product in full at the time of purchase. Now, for me, that's called cash. Mm. (laughs) Okay, for online purchases, this should be the first option that is presented. Now, this is the difficulty We talk about online, and it sort of flips through the fingers. Now, one of the stories I actually wanted to relay to you today, and uh, it, it just really caught my eye, and I thought it would be front page. Now, if, for example, Philippa, I said to you today, listen, there's been a $600 million diamond heist. In New York, so somebody rated the, the, you know, the the new the, the diamond. Somewhere. Okay, Tiffany's, and they raided, they they broke the bank open, they opened the safe and stole six hundred million dollars worth of gems. Do you think that'd be front page news? Yeah. What are you coming to? Well, guess what? Overnight, hackers managed to steal six hundred million dollars in crypto assets. Now that's real oh, money. That's no, 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 no. That is real money. They that. stole. They stole six hundred million dollars from account holders. Now people say, I mean, my wife looked at me and says, hang on, isn't that supposed to be secure and all of that? And I said, It's as secure as your pin. Okay, so if they fished and scammed somebody with crypto coins and managed to get their password, guess what? They would have pilfered their accounts. Six Hundred million US dollars got stolen overnight and there is barely a whimper in the mainstream media. Now, I sit there with my arms folded and going, holy dooly, where have we come to where we get to that level of theft flies under the radar and my only shrug of the shoulders is it's because it's online. People look at it and go, well, that's not real. Hey, guys, beg to differ. It's incredibly real.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree with you entirely, and this is a whole problem: is the fact that the, the tech has outstripped the regulators, oh. and it's also the psychology wow. that the online world is too difficult to regulate. Well, it isn't, because these six recommendations it said um, obligate buy now, pay later providers to assess whether it's suitable and affordable to provide credit to people without risk of causing financial harm. But, uh, but, but they uh, don't market their products that target children or people in financial hardship who are in financial hardship and say, oh, God, I need to pay these bills. I'll go and get some buy now, pay later money to go and pay this bill. But every and you time you see that that's advertised mentioned. on
0: television. But every time that's raised, all of a sudden the business lobby gets up in arms and saying, you're you're holding me back from, you know, being profitable. You're, you're stopping jobs yeah. being created. And I just want, I want to scream. I want to scream. Guess what? Before BNPL came along, businesses were still transacting. People were still buying, mm. but people weren't killing themselves because they were in up to their eyeballs in too much debt, and not being able to pay it back. Mm. I'm seeing a disconnect there that's still right now uh, around BNPL that I, I, I'm just, you know, when, when I look at that fourth recommendation that says, you know, we've got to prevent them marketing their products in ways mm. that target children. Prohibit it. Uh, yeah. And, and prohibit it. And people in financial hardship. Now, uh, again, self-regulation, when somebody, and I, I saw this, you know, in, in a very close family situation in a gambling scenario, you know, mm. they can self uh, what's the term? They they self push regulate. themselves No, well they self regulate and they self um uh they they kick themselves out of their own sort of gambling habits. You know, they they um I'm trying to rehabilitate well, no, 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 no. They 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 ask the the poker machine venue to say, you've got to ban me. So they self-ban themselves. Mm. And and in the same way, that's what the industry's saying. Well, look, if you know you've got a financial problem, we expect you to say to us that we're not supposed to give you money. And it's like trying to say to a junkie, it's like trying to say to a heroin junkie, you know what? You know you're a junkie, so you tell us not to give you heroin. And I just sit there and shrug my shoulders and shake my head and say, you know, are we supposed to be clever or not? Because for crying out loud, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out that there are people out there that are just simply plain greedy and happy to watch others put themselves in a grave for the purpose of making a buck when yep. are we going to regulate this as a society that looks after each other not just after corporate interests i'm just sitting there going guys
1: it's all about the shareholders and then you say well the market's tanked so how can that how can that be an argument <sighs> Well, the
0: market's tanking right now for those particular players that we're talking about, not because people aren't interested in BNPL, it's because other big players have now walked into it, like uh, I mentioned before, and they've diluted the marketplace. Now, that's not to suggest that people aren't out there taking credit today that they shouldn't be taking. My suggestion is, and one of the things that we hopefully might see with uh, either the election or a change in government that might come through is that we need to be regulating this form of credit. We've really got to be getting in there. And, I mean, I I still – I mean, I I look at the banking industry and say to myself, who the heck have you got there doing your government lobbying? Because for them to be able to still be going out there and charging 24% for credit card money, I mean, that is a protected species. Can
1: I I tell you something? We did the parents on this. <laughs> when the CSLR, the client thing of client um, thing of last resort, and it got kiboshed in the Senate and Jane Hume, Minister, the hain Royal Commission said, you have to start this um, compensation scheme of last resort for, for things like Storm Financial and the banks and all those failed managed investment schemes back to the global financial crisis in 2008. And the hain Royal Commission said that, Josh Frydenberg said, yes, we will do that, put out the press release. Along comes the Minister.
0: They're, they're good at put, press hang on, releases. Hang on,
1: hang on, and says, no, we're only going to start it from the legislation today and we're going to exclude the banks and the failed product schemes and the failure of that um, retirement scheme in Western Australia because you ought to be able to work out for yourself whether or not you're making the right investment decisions, right? Anyway, one of our number did some ferreting, found out two things. The banks and financial services industry, fund managers, all owned by the banks, gave $44 million in donations to the political parties. Over two thirds of that went to the Liberals, and under one third of it went to Labor, right? This is the banks that caused the Royal Commission, do this level of political donation. When that came up, and they were right in the last debating um, in the Senate to push this through, one of the other guys also came up with a very press release that said, Josh Frydenberg said, we will take this um, scheme of compensation scheme of last resort back to the Home Royal Commission. Jane Hume withdrew the legislation immediately in the Senate as it was being debated because she was busted. Mm. So we don't have the CSLR because we got the figures to prove that the political parties are being donated to by the very vested interests to keep this unregulated, Ray.
0: And I think your cat agrees as well.
1: Sorry, he just hopped <laughs> up on the desk.
0: <laughs> well, he was putting I, his two bobs worth in. Oh, and I'm really pleased. Hey, we, we are open for cat's rights here on dollars and making sense as well. <laughs> now, uh, I guess, look. We've talked over, and man, I think both of us has got pretty hot under the collar today when we're talking about credit and the availability of really lending to people that really shouldn't be lent to. You
1: know, I, can I, we get some I, feedback from your listeners about this on somewhere? Is there a place that they can go to vent?
0: There's social, yeah, there's socials that we uh, post every week to that, mm. uh, you know, we'd be really pleased to hear. And certainly, you know, you're welcome to post this blog on to Wise Girls Money.
1: I we'd do love, all that automatically. We, all we, comes we, up
0: on my Wise Girls we, Money website. We'd websites. love to hear so that brings us to the end of today. Uh, look, I've really enjoyed the discussion. I love getting hot under the collar sometimes. I love your passion. Um, I certainly get accused of being passionate. And I, I sit there and, well, I wear that very proudly. Uh, Me too. I, 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 and, you know, if you don't have passion about what you do day by day, well, then, you know, don't bother. I'm uh, I'm big on passion. I think it's what drives people to do better. Mm. and i'm hoping that as uh, this federal election is called and we start looking to uh you know walking into the polls and actually thinking just for that moment let's have a think about who we are going to allow to run our country for another three years oh, i'd like me. to hope i would like to sincerely hope that we look back over what's been happening and maybe think a little harder this time around rather than just voting the way you've always done or voting the way my mum and dad used to Let's apply a bit of brain power, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Yeah, we do.
0: Philippa, as always, it's a pleasure to have you at the microphone.
1: Thank you, Ray.
0: It's interesting times and they're going to continue to be interesting. Man, I thought we were in for an interesting year of 2022 when we started Dollars Making Sense a a couple of months ago. It certainly is turning out that way. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And until next time, Philippa,
1: goodbye. Thank you, Ray.
0: And goodbye to your cat as well. (laughs) Ha (laughs)
1: Ha 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 ha!